Hello, everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter, and he is with Furtherstone Ministries, and we do a show called Solid Steps, which you're listening to. Some of you may be listening on accident. We're a show for men by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. Sports, weather, and politics, we are really good at. Men, <laughs> right? We can just talk about that at any point, but when we start talking about things for eternity and things that mean a lot more than sports, weather, and politics, sometimes us guys can kind of be like a turtle in the shell and just kind of go back in and say, eh, I don't think so. So we believe here at Solid Steps that you are not fulfilling your destiny as a man if you are not walking with the man of Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. That's a big statement because there's a lot of guys out there who accomplish a lot, business, social, cultural, you name it. But if you're not with Jesus, you're not accomplishing everything you need to be accomplishing. That is spiritually speaking. That being said, we talk about things that are topical, and how can we help men be better equipped? Well, today we're having one of our favorite guests on. Uh, we said, who do we know who is smart, intelligent, and so creative? He couldn't make it, he so we called Kent. It. So I everybody knew, knew where that was coming. Everybody knew, knew where that was yeah, going. So saw that. Saw that. <laughs> Step right into that one. <laughs> but we have one of our favorite guests on, Kent Evans of Manhood Journey. He's going to talk about what a guy who was a cupbearer 2,500 years ago can teach us about being a better dad. Mm. Yeah, so Kent Evans, welcome back, man. man. It's my pleasure. This is the only place that's ever had me back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is it. This is the one place. Dude, we love having you back, and, uh, and you got a new book out, yeah. and so... Uh, hey, so tell our listeners what in the world uh, you, you wrote about, but before you do that, tell us sure. about Manhood Journey. Sure, Manhood Journey is a ministry designed to help dads be disciple makers. We want to help dads disciple their families. And so we produce resources and do events along those ends. It could be books or podcasts or uh, our upcoming father-son retreat this summer. So that's what we do. And, and because of that, God put a, a book on your heart. This is your third book. Book number three. Book number three. What is the name of this book? Bring Your Hammer, and the subtitle is 28 Tools Dads Can Grab from the Book of Nehemiah. How in the world do you get a dad book out of the, the Old Testament book, <laughs> Nehemiah? You know, what? this is about three years ago. I was reading through the book of Nehemiah, and it's kind of like that, uh, that thing when you buy a red car, and then all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere. Yep. Because I live in sort of the fatherhood ministry space, I see fatherhood behind every corner. You know, everything is like, it's oh, that's shaped like a dad. You know, it's like, it just comes at me. So one time I was reading through the book of Nehemiah and I just was writing down lessons for my own life. I was going, oh, that's really good. You know, Nehemiah prayed before he did that or Nehemiah was really a tough guy and took care of that business. And so I wrote this list of like, I don't know, 40, 45 lessons that I personally was getting out of the book. And then it just sat in my head for two years. And I had this journal entry and I found a friend, Eric Ballard in Houston, who we've worked together. And I said, Hey man, won't you collaborate with me on a book? And we'll, we'll pare this down and create some life lessons for dads out of the book of Nehemiah. That's how the, the kind of the conversation started. And by the way, uh, listeners, you, you need to grab this book. Can't, how, how do they get the book? They can get it primarily on Amazon would be the easiest way. You hop in there, type in, bring your hammer and you'll be able to find it right there. Awesome. Listeners, uh, I have been reading this book, and it is a it is it is worth it is worth the purchase. So uh, so can't let's just jump in. I I want I just want to talk. You know, this is not an infomercial about the book, but I I want us to talk about um, those lessons that you have learned mm. and, and just put down on paper. Um, 
you talk about dads when problems arise. Mm. Now, us guys, we never, Chad, you never had any problems. About the past hour? <laughs> That's five minutes. <laughs> uh, Kent, talk to us about when, when, when problems arise, what we learn from Nehemiah, and how do we, how do we apply that as dads? Yeah. It's a bit counter, right? When you look at what happened with Nehemiah, first chapter, his brother visits, and he says, hey, man, how are things back at home? And his brother says, not good, man, not good. And so that's the start of the book, essentially. Nehemiah gets kind of bad news from home. And ne- you would think a lot of guys, their knee-jerk reaction would be to go into fix-it mode. And we're going to, oh, okay, man, let's start you know, kicking butt and taking names. And we're going to solve these problems. But Nehemiah doesn't do that. His knee-jerk reaction is really interesting because he prays, he fasts, he confesses his own sin and that's a little bit of a model for the way most guys probably ought to approach most problems. You know, you think of your job, you're sitting behind your desk one day and the boss comes in and says, we have a problem. Do you instantly go, well, let's pray about that. Let's get on our knees and ask God to give us wisdom. No, normally you just work in your own strength and start solving the problem. And you can get a lot done doing that. You can get a lot done. If you're an accountant, you got to do a spreadsheet. You don't, you don't necessarily need to pray before every spreadsheet. You can do those. But for really big life problems that matter, that have a spiritual component, man, we can't fight those with earthly tools, right? So that just was, I was struck by Nehemiah's knee-jerk reaction to really big problems was prayer, fasting, confession of his own sin. Uh, That struck me as very counter to what I would normally do as a guy. So when you are talking with other men, I mean, you're you're talking with men all over the world. Yeah. And you mention... (laughs) Uh, the, the, hey, Kent, I've got this problem, and oh, yeah. uh, here's the scenario. It's got, got three, three kids or, you know, whatever, and my, it's my wife. And, right. and, what, and you say pray. What are the, how do they respond? <laughs> you need we, to pray and confess your own sins. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up. There's a gentleman not in our country. I, I don't want to give too many details away, but he emailed me about a month ago and asked if he could email me some questions from time to time. And I'm like, sure. Sure. And a lot of his questions have been about uh, marriage trouble, Mm -hmm. um, trouble with his own dad, his own upbringing, kind of like playing those tapes from the past. And then some other kind of sins in his life where he feels like he's a victim. So, So in other words, what I mean by that, Kurt, is most guys, I think, fit into that same sort of mold where they believe that their life circumstances are causing them to behave in a certain way. And so a lot of the reason why I love to help guys start with prayer or something like it is sometimes we're just blind to our own role in the problem, right? We think, oh, our wife is so unkind or so, you know, critical. And we don't realize, yeah, it's kind of because we come home most days and and we're, we're unkind and critical. And then we look and go, gee, why is she so picky? And then we realize, man, when's the last time I told her that was a delicious meal? Thanks. Now I remember, you know, last time. And so for us as guys, not just starting with prayer, but starting with some introspection and looking mm-hmm. at ourselves. Yeah. And when, when you when you talk to guys about that, how do they respond? Usually they're pretty responsive. You'd think they'd push back in sort of this macho spirit of, oh, that's, you know, then what? You're going to pray, then what? But usually it opens the door to deeper conversations. Mm. It does. Well, uh, talk to the, uh, talk to our listeners about the power of confession, because Nehemiah does that. In the, I mean, he... And I, I I marvel at that. He yeah. is like, he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, and he begins to confess his own sin. I was talking with a leader recently 
And um, I asked this leader three different times to describe uh, a problem that we were both trying to resolve. We were both looking at this problem. And every time he tried to describe the problem, he started with the name of another person in the mix. And I kept giving him chances to stop doing that, right? And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, he didn't play that exactly right. What could you have done differently? And then his answer again started with this other person. And so for me, when we get back to confession, what we're saying is we're starting this problem-solving uh, experience with, I know I'm not perfect. You know, God, would you show me how I'm adding to the problem? Would you please show me how am I making this worse? We went through a really rough summer last year with one of our boys. And at one point he just told me, he goes, dad, I know you're trying to help me, but pretty much everything you're doing is making it worse. <laughs> he did. And he was, it, he was, he wasn't kidding. And, uh, and I, I saw where he was right. I mm. saw where, where a friend of mine said, you know, you can't parent your, your child if they're being anxious by being anxious. <laughs> it doesn't usually help them. And that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing. And so confession often is the beginning of us seeing our own role in the problem. And your role may be 5%. Maybe that other person is 95% of the problem. Fine, go fix your five, man. <laughs> go fix your five and see what happens. That is powerful, dude. Uh, well, you know, when, I, I, when, when we look at Nehemiah and his contemporaries. So if you, yeah. if you, look, you look at Ezra in Ezra 9, he does the same thing. Nehemiah does it in Nehemiah 1. And Daniel, we know the story yeah. of Daniel. Daniel 9 is Daniel just saying, I have sinned. I'm like going, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, you guys are the good guys. I mean, <laughs> but they, they also know that they are prone to sin, that they need a savior, that they need redemption, that they need the grace and help and power of God. Absolutely. It even goes back to the point, Kurt, and maybe we pick this up after the, the break, it goes back to the point where as men, we really need to own our portion of the problem. I'm just kind of doubling down on what I said a minute ago because we look at culture, we look at politics, we look at you know the economy and all these problems that are out there, out there, out there. And at our own homes, the question is, you know, are we leading faithfully? Are we loving our wives well? And most men struggle to get there. Well, we're gonna take a break and that was a great segment. I can't wait to hear the next three. So we're gonna take a break, unpack this more here on Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank our sponsors of our show, Ellen and Credit Union. They have been in this community for decades, doing a great job. If you need commercial or personal uh, banking issues or help, whether it's checking, savings, a loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you. Vision First Eye Care. Uh, I had my, I found my lost pair of Vision First Eye Care. I was so happy. I was like, I need to get new glasses. I don't want to spend the money. I found my pair that I had bought from Vision First Eye Care. My contacts are in right now from Vision First. If you have any eye care needs, whether it's glasses, contacts, or you just need eye health, Vision First can take care of you. You're more than set than a set of eyeballs to them. Uh, Frank Enterprises. It was raining a lot the past couple of days, if depending on when you hear this. And if you've got water pooling up around your house that doesn't go where it's supposed to go, Frank Enterprises can take care of that septic tank landscaping. They will take care of your needs. Now, as we come out of the end of this break, I had a question from the last segment. So when, when I hear prayer and confession are a big deal, they're important to guys, um, how can we get that wrong? Meaning, what's the real purpose at the end of the day for prayer and confession. What's the ultimate end game for those two mm. things? 
I think of the uh, Greek word for humility, which is tapaneo. And what it means is to flatten. So if you go look through the Greek on that word and you look for humility through the New Testament, you're going to find that it basically means to lay something low or to flatten it. In fact, like when John the Baptist said, I came to make a way for the Lord, it was the idea that he was paving a road. Mm. It was the same basic idea. We would use it in construction like paving or uh, uh, what's the steamroller, like a steamroller. A steamroller would be a humility creation device. (laughs) It flattens, but it doesn't flatten for the purpose of destruction. It flattens for the purpose of building. The reason you want to flatten it is so you can put a road on it. The reason you want to flatten it is so you get a level surface to build your home. For us as men, we need, we, need to, we need to dive into spiritual problems from a humble position right. and realize we can't solve them. We can't solve them. I'm currently walking, Kurt and I were talking the other day, I'm currently walking through a situation with a bunch of relationships that I cannot solve. I literally cannot solve it. And if any solution comes out of it, it'll be because God did it. And me acknowledging that just puts me in a whole different mindset. I'm not, I'm not as controlling. I'm not as panicked about the outcome because God's in control. And it comes back for me, Chad, in terms of confession to the idea of of humility. Am I trying to solve problems because I'm so smart or am I trying to solve problems because it's like the Ephesians 2.10, it's the work he gave me to do, but man, some of it only he can do. Yep. I think that was what I was getting at because I, as a guy, can sometimes do the checklist (laughs) while I prayed and I confessed, but you can do that in a way that doesn't show humility. Oh man, absolutely. And at the end of the game, you're saying, Lord, you're above me, I'm below you, I need help. Well, and uh, the beauty of that is, you know, Kent, when we are humble before the Lord, God gives grace to the humble, humble. but he resists (laughs) the proud. I'm like, oh Lord, I do not want your resistance. (laughs) The God of the creation, the God of all gods, you know, and like, I don't want your resistance, oh Lord, please, you know. I can handle a lot of enemies. I don't want God to be one, right? I don't want him to be against me. I know, and that's what I love, you know, when we come humbly before him and confess and repent. My next question to you, Kent, is, um, you talk about uh, a game plan and yeah. in, in, in connect that to fatherhood, but also connect that to Nehemiah because he had a game plan. Yeah, real quick, like Nehemiah. One interesting thing about Nehemiah is the first couple chapters give us two dates and they're several months apart. Date one, he finds the bad news. Date two, it's a few months apart. He's in front of the king and he gets his kind of day in court, so to speak, where he gets the chance to ask the king for something. What he asks the king for reveals that he'd been doing some thinking. Like if there was a Starbucks back in that day, he had gone to several meetings with guys at Starbucks and said, okay, let's say I'm going to rebuild a wall. For example, I'm going to need wood about yay much. I'm going to need bricks about yay many. And so he had done his job between those two moments, fact finding and then being able to ask the king. And one of the things he'd done is thought through what did he want to try to accomplish? And so the connection for me to fatherhood was so stark, so obvious. We tend to parent in this forward motion, right? Time. We're, we're <laughs> one day comes after the other. Monday's before Tuesday, before Wednesday, before Thursday. And we're parenting forward with no real clear picture of what the end in mind would look like. And so if I could maybe lay one on the guy listening to this, right? If you're a dad right now and you have kids maybe still in the home, here's a test you can apply to yourself to see if you kind of are thinking like Nehemiah. What are two or three things that you want to be true about your children when they leave your home? What are two or three things that you want to be true about your children when they leave your home? And 
unfortunately, a lot of guys would say, oh, they, they got into Harvard. They got a 33 on their ACT. They, they can land a job. They can tie a bow tie, change the tire on their car, whatever. And those might not be bad ideas, but those aren't the best ideas. Those aren't the best ideas. From my own example, I'll give you an example yeah, yeah. from my own boys. Yes. At one point, we were having, I mentioned last summer, we were having this kind of low point with one of my sons. And there was tons of dialogue with me, him, and his mom. And we're all sitting there talking and talking. And I realized my wife was giving him feedback that was really valuable. And it was almost like a, watching a tennis match, right? She would hit it over the net and whack, it would come right back at her. And then she'd hit it again and whack. And I just saw this ball moving back and forth. No one was catching anything, right? No one was catching or receiving anything. They're just hitting it back. And so I just called the timeout. I called the dad timeout. And I said to my son, I said, hey, one thing I want to be true about you when you leave my house is you know how to receive feedback. I don't even care if you take it or change your lifestyle. But for you to not receive feedback makes you a fool. And so your mom is attempting over and over again to give you really good counsel. And all you seem capable of doing right now is smacking it right back at her with a bunch of excuses. We're going to try it again from the top. And all you're going to do is listen and receive. And I want you to set your tennis racket down and just catch the ball. Just catch it. And so I've used the metaphor of tennis. I've used the metaphor of a baseball catcher. Your job isn't to hit the ball. Your job is to catch the ball. And so that is one thing I want to be true about my boys, right? Mm. Can they receive wise counsel? Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean they take every inch of it or do it the way I would do it. But it does mean they listen and they hear and they receive. What well, you're, you're teaching them, how, how, let's be slow to speak. Let's be quick to listen. Absolutely. And Nehemiah did that in spades, right, where he could plan ahead. And so for us as dads, the question is, what do you want to be true about your children when they leave your house? And if it's all just money and success and college and jobs, probably missing some spiritual components in there that I would encourage you to include in the mix. What, what, what else about your sons? You got five boys. Uh, one's married. One is married. Um, what, what's another thing that you say, you know, I really want my boys to, to have yeah. this by the time they leave the house. I want them to value time in God's word. And it might mean five minutes a day. Some days it might mean an hour and a half. It could mean they're studying Greek or Hebrew. I mean, you know, lots of ways to do that. But I want them to leave my house with a highly developed sense of they place a high value on God's word high value. And I'm not like leading devotionals every day at my house. I'm not, you know, it's not like Bible teaching hour at Kent's house every day, but we are discipling as we go, right? As we go down the road, we are discipling and scripture comes up a lot. And I want my kids to leave my house with a really healthy appetite for scripture. Well, um, and when that happens, I love Psalm 119 says, Psalm 119, the Bible says, if you, if you, take this in, you're going to be sharper than your competition. Yeah. You're going to be wiser than the people around you. I mean, you are just going to be able to run around folks, swim faster than anybody else. And you mentioned, Kurt, Psalm 119. And one of the big issues today for many dads is the issue of pornography and purity among their kids, especially their boys. What does Psalm 119 tell us? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. So, Dad, if you're out there fighting the purity battle, like I am, I've got five boys. If you're fighting that purity battle and you're not fighting it with God's word, probably missing the best weapon you have. The best weapon you have for purity is not defense. It's not even covenant eyes. And I love those guys. The best weapon you have against purity, against uh, pornography, is that their heart is bent toward God's word. It's the offensive strategy that most dads are missing. Amen. When we get back to this idea of strategy, 
that Nehemiah was so good at, dads need a strategy. They need offense, they need defense, and God's Word is one of the best offensive weapons you're ever going to have. So, Kent, give us a, uh, just a real quick example of how a guy who doesn't spend a lot of time in God's Word, how he can help his kids and mm. how he can begin to, to move towards yeah. spending more time in God's Word. What I would say, Kurt, is for that guy, um, go read Psalm 119. Go read Psalm because you brought Psalm 119 up. It's a great uh, passage of Scripture. Go read Psalm 119 until you feel about God's Word the same way the author of Psalm 119 feels about God's Word. Mm. And just you don't have to read anything else for a while. It may take you a year. It may take you a decade. You read Psalm 119 over and over and over again until you have the same exact appreciation and feeling for God's Word as the dude who wrote Psalm 119. Because you're going to find... That psalm really talks about the power of God's Word in your life over and over and over again. And he, um, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. The longest chapter. And he can't stop talking about it because he, <laughs> that's why I think it's, that's why it's the longest because he can't stop talking about it. It's so life-changing. It's so life-giving. And I, it's so nourishing. I've got to have this. So we're going to take a break and come back for two more segments and talk about there's 28 principles. We've got a lot of ground to cover in the next two segments. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. I want to thank our sponsors of our show. We are taping right now in the studios of Louisville Podcast Studios, podlou.com, P-O-D-L-O-U.com. If you want a great looking and great sounding podcast, yes, your podcast can have a great look if you want to be on social media come here. I'm telling you for the amount of money you'll spend, you will get a lot more for your money. And if you're going to buy a bunch of equipment and be in your kitchen, eh, it's going to be okay. But boy, oh boy, you want to have something professional sounding podloo.com. Uh, Bright Star Home Care. I, ha- I gave this company's number out to one person this week. And it's a more and more I'm seeing that people need in-home care for their loved ones and they don't know what to do. Bright Star Home Care is the place to start that conversation. Brightstarcare.com if you know somebody who needs in-home care once a week or seven days a week for somebody you love. And I always joke for somebody, even if you don't love them, they need they need to be taken care of. Um, and then Dan Hart Financial. If you want to retire or talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20, Dan Hart can sit down and say, what's a wise retirement look like? So Kent, we're going to jump right in here. You, you talk in your book about focusing on the past versus uh, and, and learning from the past. We, you want us to learn from the past, but how do we not focus on the past? Well, during our break, Chad was saying, you have, in your car you have a rear view mirror and you have a windshield. Use them in the same proportion. <laughs> and I think that is a great word picture, Chad. Uh, to not look in the past is foolish, right? At one point in Nehemiah, he goes into the annals of Jerusalem back in the day to learn who was on the roll and how did they manage things. There's a lot to be learned from the past. But at the same time, he wasn't a slave to the past. And I talk to so many dads. I mean, it's it's annually, it's probably hundreds. And right now I can think of two or three that I'm talking with actively where they believe their primary reason they cannot be a godly father is their own father. And these are men who are 45, 48, 53 years old, and they're still living in the shadow of whatever home they were raised in. And some homes we're raised in are brutal. And they're, I don't want to I don't want to downplay the pain and suffering that some people come out of. That can be really, really rough. But for many of these dads, they just, you know, their dad didn't tell them they loved them enough, or their dad was gone a lot for work. And you're kind of like, man, you weren't raised in like a gulag. I mean, you know, it's not that bad. And so 
the challenge becomes for me, Kurt, and I, some dads may resonate with this, some may not. If I think my past determines my future, mm. I don't have a fatherhood problem. I don't have a father wound, right? I have a theology wound. <laughs> I have a doctrine problem. Because if my past determines my future, then why'd Christ die on the cross? Why have the Holy Spirit? Like it's all a big fat waste of time if my future isn't different than my past. It's just basic core gospel Christianity. And so for me as a dad, yeah, I didn't have a spiritual mentor growing up. Like my dad wasn't my spiritual mentor, but you know what? Guys like you were, when I came to church, I leaned into relationships like yours and I learned from guys in my adulthood. That's it's easy to do now. Gosh, we have podcasts. We got YouTube videos. I mean, I can learn from guys I'll never meet. And so for dads out there, man, a lot of them are really, really struggling and feel like they're, they're uh, handcuffed to their past. And I'd love for them to be able to break those chains. But the only thing that breaks those chains is the gospel. It's surrendering to Jesus yeah. and saying, Lord, I, I, I am broken. It's also, you know, I, I, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Oh, man. But Absolutely. A but a companion of fools suffers harm. You got to hang with the right people. We'll talk about that. You got. I got a question. Yeah. Okay. I'm listening to this show too, as I'm, I'm participating in it. So. I'm glad we woke you up. <laughs> you were dozed off in the corner there. So a guy will may hear that and go, "Okay, I get that top button." Yeah. Learning and living are two different things. What do I? How do I take what has happened? I think of a friend of ours who we just talked to recently who had a brutal childhood. Yeah. Living in it is saying, "I, I, I don't want to live in it." But how do you learn from it mm. and implement that on a moving forward basis? Not living in is one thing. How do you learn from your past? How, mm. What do you tell guys who go, man, I had a brutal childhood. How do you tell them to learn from it? Mm. Well, one thing that I, when I was 17 or 18, I went to a counselor and I was really ate up about some family situations in my own home. And the counselor told me, he goes, man, you can't become the unsomething. It was a great line, right? I may have mentioned this on the podcast with you guys before. Um, and that for me was a pivot point, Chad, for my entire life. Like I'm convinced. And it was over, I don't know, 35, 40 years ago now. Um, to learn from it and not live in it means that we've got to lose all of the anger and bitterness connected to it. So a lot of guys are still living in this place of, I won't be my dad, you know, and they're like mad about it. They're mad about it. And at some point we've got to let that go. So for me, I had to let it go. I had to let some of that anger go. I had to have men around me. I had to have counsel. I had to have friends who leaned into my life and gave me wise counsel. I had to know God's word, I had to know God's word. And then I had to realize, man, some things from my past were actually pretty handy, yeah. you know? So I didn't have a spiritual mentor growing up, but man, I learned how to use a lot of tools. I learned how to work hard. I learned how to have like some sales capacity that have served me well in my adult life. And so sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater right. in our past and just go, oh, well, since I didn't have a, a 10 out of 10, I'm just going to chuck it all and start over. And I don't think that's a, a healthy either. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer to I, your I question. I think it is. I think it's you learn. What did you learn from yeah. the past? And moving forward, and I, that that whole I'm going to not be something versus what can I be? Yeah, that's the main. That's the moving forward. Absolutely. What can I be? Well, and what I hear you saying too is is can you you begin to thank God for those positive qualities? Yeah, and you know what? That's awesome. Yeah, and then and then take take the chaff that's you know let it blow away and 
hang on to the rest. And that's one of the reasons I love the story of Nehemiah is because he had to make such a clean break from what he was doing. So he's at the, at the Capitol. He's kind of working in like the Washington, D.C. of the time. He's at the, you know, the top of the food chain in terms of influence. And then he goes down several rungs, so to speak, to go do what he thought God called him to do. And he made such a clean break, such a clean break where he was like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what's behind me. I'm going to go forward. And I think of the verse uh, in the New Testament, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the goal of Jesus Christ, the high calling in Christ. And as dads, we have to do the same thing. You, you talk about in the book how we have to follow our calling. Yeah. And and, and, and sometimes that means we got to leave comfort. we got to leave some things that we really would like to stay. But for the greater good, I, I've got to follow the calling of God. Yeah. For many, many dads, we get so comfortable in, I don't know, maybe it's our jobs, maybe it's our situations or where we live or whatever, that we, we get anchored so deeply in that. And, and God will find a way to uh, upend that, right? Uh, <laughs> we're going through a situation right now as a family where uh, something that we're really comfortable with and have been comfortable with for almost 20 years is basically being taken away from us. We, and we can't stop it. And so we're having to chart a new course forward. And what we're going to have to figure out as a family is, are we going to be okay and trust God in that forward motion? Or are we just going to try to you know, tooth and nail, claw to the death, hang on to what we already have? And we're getting better. We're getting better. April and I both are getting better. Just letting go of what God shuts down and then pursuing what he opens up. That's good. I uh, can't... Um... Talk to us about some wounds and dealing with some wounds. Um, I, you know, I, we do have a theology problem, as you mentioned last time, but how, do, how, do, how does a guy overcome some of those obstacles with his dad and maybe his granddad? I think it starts with forgiveness. I really do. I heard a guy say one time, uh, trust is a two-way street, right? If I'm going to trust you, there has to be trust on both sides. You have to be trustworthy. I have to be trustworthy. It takes two to trust, but it only takes one to forgive. It only takes one to forgive. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for the ungodly. If he'd waited around for us to ask him to show up, we'd still be sitting here with no Savior, right? We would never ask. And so for me, one of the early, early steps in my uh, attempt to not be kind of this balled up, bitter, angry guy over things I'd quote unquote didn't have as a kid was to learn to forgive. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend lean into me on that uh, guy. You and I both know his name is Jim. And Jim told me one time, you know what most dads really want to know, Kent? Most dads want to know that their kids knew they did the best with what they could. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so maybe it's time. I was in my thirties maybe. And he said, maybe it's time for you to write your dad a letter and express appreciation for what he did do right. And as I did that letter, I wrote him a letter. There was plenty. I mean, tons, right? Managing money. My dad was great at managing money. My dad was great at managing like things and cars and fixing things. And he was industrious. He worked hard and he volunteered a lot, you know, and I've, I learned all that from him through osmosis. And as I reflected on it, I was like, golly, man, I got a lot to be thankful for. I really do. When you forgave him, what happened? Um, I felt like I was able to just, I don't know, man, it's hard to describe. It's like a... It's like a, it's like losing a weight. It's mm. like dropping weight. If you've ever been kind of overweight and then you dropped a few pounds and you go, man, I feel like a new person and you've, lo you know, you've dropped that 10 or 20 or 50 pounds. I have a friend who's lost a hundred pounds uh, and he feels like a different guy. I mean, clearly he kind of is. And I think for most dads, what we're, what we're not quite fully appreciating is the fact that us hanging on to that weight is not just dragging us down. 
It's dragging our marriages down and it's dragging our next generation of children down. We got to be able to break that cycle and we can't do it without the Holy Spirit, but we need to be part of that process. That's awesome. Forgiveness. Wow. That's good. So we'll take a break, come back for one fourth and final segment. And Ken's going to wrap up everything we need to know about fatherhood in that time. Solid <laughs> <laughs> Steps Stay Radio. Tuned. Stay tuned. Go to our uh, Facebook page and put Solid Steps Radio. You can go to SoundCloud or iTunes plug in Solid Steps Radio and you will hear our shows commercial free thanks to our great sponsors like Hadley Sign Solutions. Chris Hadley's owned and been in the sign design, manufacturing and installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. That's a mouthful for 35 years. If you need a sign for your business, Hadley Sign Solutions, you need to go to Hadley Sign Solutions at gmail.com and send him an email and he will be able to take care of you. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry, Dr. Eric Veal has been making teeth look good and stay in, their, in your mouth where they're supposed to be for many a year. And if you need, he's got two locations, one in the East End, uh, East Jefferson County, and then one by Iroquois Park. And then Veritech Generator, if you know anybody who needs a generator, storm season is a coming. And if you need a generator for your commercial or your home, or you have one that needs servicing, haven't touched it in years, Veritech Generator can take care of that. We're here with our guest, Ken Evans of Manhood Journey, and I have been to and will be going back to his father-son retreat, which this year will be in August yep. of 20... August uh, 5 and 6. Okay, and if you want to go to that, guys, please, this is low-hanging fruit. If you need something to say, I need to be more intentional, go to manhoodjourney.org, manhoodjourney.org, sign up for it. Your wife will you'll win points with your wife. She'll Absolutely. like you. Yes. And it'll be something you walk away from and go, you know what? That was worth the time. So please do that. And we all need points. Yes. Absolutely. Some of us are deficient. <laughs> <laughs> so Kent, uh, you, uh, you challenge dads to ask questions. <laughs> Stop using statements and ask questions. Unpack that. Man, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says that the purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters but a man of understanding draws them out. And so when you look at that verse and you put it back in when it was written thousands of years ago, how'd you go get water? It was not a simple process, right? Uh, it was nice enough. The guy producing the podcast today brought us bottles of water. We got them sitting in front of us. But if we wanted water a couple thousand years ago, it's a process. You got to have the bucket. You got to walk down to the well. You got to put it in the well. You got to carry it back to the village. It was not a simple process. Asking our kids questions is the equivalent of drawing out of their heart their purposes and their intentions. Now, when your kid's six years old, you just got to keep them out of the street, right? You don't go in the street or go to bed. You know, the, you, can, you give a lot of commands when they're young. As they age, we have to ask them questions. And I see dads and moms all the time who come to me and they're like, my teenager won't communicate with me. And then I'll occasionally catch them around their teenager. And all they are is like a Mount Vesuvius of commands, right? Stop it. Don't do that. You can't do that. You better. Here's what you need to understand. You got to learn. You must learn. Woo, woo. No, your 17-year-old kid has a lot of options. He can or can't learn. He can choose not to. He doesn't have to be wise. He can be a fool. Like, he's got choices. And so for us to help him or her arrive at those choices, questions are far more effective than commands. And Howard Hendricks is the master, right? Go read the book, Teaching to Change Lives, right? Dr. Howard Hendricks, the late Dr. Howard Hendricks, that book will teach you how to ask great questions because it's all about helping them learn to think, not just imparting information. Yeah. Um. When you think about Jesus, I mean, he asked hundreds of questions. The hundreds. first, the first conversation recorded in the Bible is a question, because the devil is he's asking Eve, and he knows the power of question. Exactly. And the second recorded conversation in the Bible 
is God asking Adam the question. And it's the power of question. Um, Jesus did it all the time. What do you want? What do you, who do you say I am? What do you need? Don't you realize? Do you understand? Over and over and over again. Because he knew how our brains were wired. Yes. And he knew that it activates a portion of our brain. So many parents of teenagers will say, my teenager just doesn't think sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe their cerebral cortex isn't completely formed, but that part of their brain, we can help them form that part of their brain faster by asking more questions. If you go read like old literature on like classics, uh, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, these cats, they would ask questions of each other, like back and forth with, without almost even making statements. Because the power of the question drew something out of your brain that a statement just doesn't draw out. Okay, so there's guys, li uh, guys listening right now, and he's like, how do, how do I get better at that? Mm. Well, you just did, you asked the question, wow. right? So there you go, guys. Step one, ask me how to get better. <laughs> Step two, there are a couple kind of go-to questions that for me are like bread and butter, bread and butter, right? And one of them is not even actually technically, grammatically a question. So my kids will come home and they'll say something about their day or what went on, and all I will say is, uh, it's literally uh, 10 letters, three words. Tell me more. Tell me more. Today I was playing with Billy in school and Billy punched me right in the mouth. Okay, great. Tell me more. And, and, and they keep talking. It's amazing. It's almost like I can probably get away with that one question five or six times before they go, well, I've told you everything I can tell you. Like it's, it's <laughs> the end. It's over. But tell me more is a, is a key one. Another one is, how did you figure that out? Or how did you come to that conclusion? Or how did you arrive at that? So your kid says, hey, I want to go to XYZ thing. And you don't want them to go to XYZ thing. Or they're watching some video on YouTube that you'd rather them not watch. You can say, how did you get there? How did you arrive at that? What makes you say that? That's, those are easy ones, man. They're layups. They're layups. The real tension, the real tension is not so much, can you figure out the right question to ask? The real tension is, are you willing to listen? Because if you're willing to listen... Any question will do. <laughs> I mean, like, really, it's, it's like plug and play. It's super simple. If you're actually willing to listen, but if you're questioning to trap somebody, you know, hey, Kurt, where were you last Tuesday? You know, and there's like this, I'm not really asking you a question, right? I'm trapping you. And whatever your answer is, I'm ready, man. My fist is cocked and I'm going to, soon as you answer, I'm coming after you. So a lot of parents will ask that kind of, Tim Hawkins one time, the comedian one time said, I tried asking my wife questions. It didn't go well. Like one time when I said to you, why are you being such a psychopath right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's goes, probably not a healthy question. Not the right, all <laughs> questions are not created equal. But uh, if you will listen to the answers, if you'll listen to the answers, you'd be surprised how much ground you can gain with the teenage son or daughter. Mm, that's good. Okay, uh, last thing. You talk about in the book, the books that we read and the people we hang out with. Unpack that real quick. I just remember years ago, I was at a conference and there was like a motivational speaker. And he said, I will tell you, there are two things that will tell me who you will be in five years, who you hang out with and what you read. And now that was kind of in the day when reading was the primary way of consuming information. Now we might include podcasts or what you listen to or what you watch on YouTube, what you let in your eyes and who you let be around you and what you let in your ears actually shapes who you become. It's not just about gathering information. It changes you. And we, man, if we could do a whole episode one time on just how does God's word change us? And it says it pierces, it divides, it changes, the, it guides the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Well, there's something about input into the human brain that actually 
changes our brain. And we're finding this with pornography now, right? That with people who have ex prolonged exposure to pornography, their brains are different. Their actual brains are in fact different after having that. The same is true on the flip side. If you're constantly exposing yourself to worship music and God's word and godly friends and great advice, you will like who you become in five years. That is rich, brother. Men, listen up. Uh, Kent, you got, uh, you got 60 seconds. Talk to our guys just from a 30,000-foot level on a manhood journey and, and uh, what you're trying to do. Man, uh, one, one small thing that we're trying to do is help dads deal with the issue of anger. Uh, and the only reason I bring that up is because so many dads tell us it's a major issue in their life. And so we have some specific resources. If you are a dad who struggles with anger, hop onto our website at manhoodjourney.org, or you can go to angerfreedad.com. We have a whole separate site there, angerfreedad.com. You can find some specific resources if you struggle with anger. And I mentioned that, Kurt, only because that topic fills up my, uh, my text threads and my email inbox. Big time. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thanks, Kent. Thank hey, uh, it's been great to have you. Time fl always flies by, but we need you to pray. Pray for us. To. Pray for us guys that yeah. we will be men who will step up and be dads that God would be so pleased Well, and thank you guys yeah. for letting me be here. You guys are awesome. Well, love, you, love you guys. Love uh, you too, Kent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, Kurt and for Chad, and thank you for the work they do here at the show. I pray for the dad listening. Somebody's out there, and they believe a lie from the enemy. They believe they can't do it. They believe that they are a slave to their past. They believe they will never figure this thing out. They would believe they will never overcome this X issue, whatever it is. Uh, and Lord, we know that's not true. We know you're not against these men. You're not against us. You are for us. You want the best for us. And would you please, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help any dad listening to not believe the lies, but instead to run to the truth. And that is your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I pray for these dads. Would you give them strength, courage, and would you give them wisdom, 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 Father, in your Son, Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you very much, Kent. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. So as we listen here, and you're a dad, and you're probably asking yourself the question, boy, I never got taught this stuff growing up. Well, get in line. <laughs> Who did? In fact, I heard Tim Keller, who's a pastor, say this once. He said, if anybody says that they have the excuse of saying, I didn't have a good dad, I don't know what it looks like. He said, not having a good dad means you do know what it looks like because you know what it doesn't look like. And the only way to know how we have a really good father is our father in heaven. He's perfect. And he wants to father you where you've never been fathered. And so that was something I learned 15 years ago and through a time of prayer. If you ever see me, ask me when God told me, you don't know how to raise men because you're not one, but I'm going to raise you while you're raising them. And I said, yes, sir. So he's fathering me. You can be fathered too. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.